Welcome back to the Building a Life and Business Together podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. You're really going to have to learn to to like roll with this show without reading it off a of paper. <laughs> this is... How long is that going to take? I don't know. But I'm thinking I might need to reach out to Mike and Isabella and ask them to create some kind of show intro for yeah, us. Yeah, so you don't have to come up with... <laughs> building a... What is it? It's a life and this. <laughs> Anyway, today in this episode, we are going to begin our coverage of the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I think when we recorded this episode originally, which was four weeks ago, we thought that we were going to cover all of the introduction and all of chapter one. At least one of us thought that. (laughs) One of us thought that. It might have been me. I definitely don't (laughs) think it was you. But um, anyway, we've we're we're we've already recorded. We're already up to episode number five. But because we're pulling this content out of a, a another show that we produced called Family from the Heart, we're bringing this content over to this newly created show, uh, and we're just recording this intro for you. So what you're about ready to hear was recorded many weeks ago, but here is our coverage of part one of chapter one and the introduction of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. All right, so I just hit the record button on the Rodecaster Pro. I'm sitting here in the next level studio in Studio B. (laughs) Stephanie is laughing. My wife is in the studio with me. We are broadcasting this live on Clubhouse. It is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Uh, The last several weeks, we have been using our Clubhouse time together to record episodes of Family from the Heart. We are currently ditching that strategy for the time being. We're using the what we call the MSU business model for figuring things out. And if you guys have never heard of the MSU business model, I'll keep it family friendly and tell you it means it stands for making stuff up. There, It's actually a different S word, but you get the idea. Credit to Rich Lidfin for the MSU business model. Anyway, we don't know what we're going to do with Family from the Heart, but we know that the kind of content that we've been feeling led to create here in these Clubhouse conversations is not a good fit for what the Family from the Heart show is. And for that reason, uh, we are, we're, we're switching things up. But we are here recording this episode. We're going to talk about The Big Leap. The book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and specifically in this episode or this conversation, we're going to talk about the introduction in chapter one. So without any further ado other than that, Stephanie. Yep. Question for you. Okay. How long, uh, well, actually, tell tell me, what what are your thoughts about The Big Leap before opening up the, the front cover of the book? What is your experience? What have you heard about The Big Leap? What it, what did you know about The Big Leap? What did you think about The Big Leap before opening up the book for the first time? You do know I've read this book before, right? Have you read it before? Yeah. I did not know this. <laughs> okay. 
So tell us, tell us when you were first introduced to the book. I, I, I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was, I know it had to have been 2017. It had to have been. It was September 2017 when I read the book the first time. And I think I'm okay. the one who introduced it to you. Yeah. Um, so my first introduction was um, every three, four months, every four months, um, I get hormone pellets because, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age and I need a little help every now and again. And um, I, for a time, had you drive me to those appointments because I get, I, I feel a little woozy afterwards. And um, and so when I, I got back in the car and you were recording a Facebook Live talking about the book. And that would be the moment that That would be the moment that everything that we had been talking about since, like, I don't know, what, 2010, 2009, was, like, ready to be implemented. All right. Business-wise. Business-wise. Cool. Yeah, so... You knew your zone of genius before you knew it was called your zone of genius. And reading this book gave you permission to pursue it. Yes. So I'd never heard of anything called a zone of genius before. I knew what my zone of genius was, as you as you stated. I, I don't know that if you would have asked me, if you would have explained to me, hey, this is what a zone of genius is. Do you know what yours is? I would have, I, I probably would have had a pretty good stab at it. My only concern was the, the idea of Nobody gets paid to do their zone of genius. Their zone, your zone of genius is That's that, a limiting belief. Well, <laughs> well, thank you there, Stephanie. You're welcome. Nobody gets paid to do their zone of genius. That zone of genius is that stuff that just comes so naturally to you, that that's so easy to you. And coming from a ministry mindset, those are the kinds of things that God has uniquely gifted you and you didn't have to work hard for. And so those things, you just use that stuff to serve the world. You know, and, and it's wrong to think that you're going to get paid to do that. You've got to do something meaningful, something difficult, something hard to contribute to this world at large and add incredible value doing things that you hate so that you can pay the bills. You can't be sitting around doing la di da di da my life is great, and getting paid. That just isn't how the life, how life, that's not how the force works. <laughs> that That's what... That's what some people would like you to believe. And that's exactly how I believed. And so because of that, I, w- I had always worked inside of my zone of excellence, which I didn't have that language. We'll get into some of that language. Uh, we're checking in on here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, she's Okay. I'm just going to ignore the chat for just a little bit just so we can stay on topic. But um, we will probably come in near the end and, and see if anybody has any feedback and wants to share their experience with the the Big Leap book. All right. So, Stephanie. Yep. Um, I did the Facebook Live after reading this book, and I explained to everybody what it was. I talked about there's this thing called your, you know, there are four different zones that you can work for in life, work in life. And, and um, here are the zone, here's what those zones are. We're going to cover that near the end of this conversation. Um, I've been working in my zone of excellence. Here's what my zone of genius is. And I am make, I am here to declare to the world from the front seat of this car while I'm waiting for my wife to come out of this doctor's office. I am committed 
absolutely to living a minimum of 70% of my life within my zone of genius uh, within, within the next year. That I, I am committed to making this big leap. Little did I know that within uh, about a month and a half, our entire life would be completely turned upside down again as far as what we, what was our comfort zone as far as career income and all I, that stuff. I, I understand that language, but I'm going to disagree with that word comfort and just call it normal because there has been a level of comfort in every financial situation that we have been in since 2007 when we became debt-free. Okay, say it more. Okay, so that doesn't mean that... Look, I'm saying that for me, I have experienced a level of comfort Okay, in every financial situation we have been in since we became debt-free. Even in 2008, when our income was far below the poverty line, and there were times of panic and and um, not fear, but hmm, I don't know what the right word is, but there was a level of comfort in every. There was a level of comfort in every financial stage because even in 2008, when we weren't making a lot of money, I still believed that we were doing what we were supposed to do and that we would find it. I love that you, that, that you're pushing back on, you know, the, you're saying that, listen, this wasn't necessarily stepping out of the, of the comfort zone financially because I haven't really experienced that, since. but I will tell you, I no, been. I I understand. I understand you as the sole provider. It is it um it falls on you in a different way. Yeah, and, and whether whether that's right or not, it is it is accurate. When I to, say falls on, I mean you take it on yourself in a different way. I don't want yes. to lead any language to think that I put it on you. Exactly. You're right. And, and that, and I did adopt that from our society, from our culture and from my parents and, and all the other stuff. I I just like, yeah, this is on me. And, and I will say that back then I did not have the mindset strategies and techniques. I didn't have the emotional intelligence that I have developed today and all this other stuff back then. And, and I got to tell you, I was a wreck. Right. (laughs) <laughs> leaving our career as an insur- my career as an insurance agent and and struggling to put food on the table and where's the money coming from and how much is there going to be a paycheck this month you know th- th- those were that was not there was no I don't care how much I'm debt free there was a great level of anxiety and fear that I was heading us back towards debt in pursuit of creating my dream at the same time I never doubted whether or not I was on the right path and I made the right decision. But even in spite of the confidence, I knew we were doing the right thing. And ultimately, someday, somehow, I have this level of faith that it's going to work out. I really struggled with the day-to-day fears and anxieties. And and there was no comfort zone. And so what I'm saying is that from 2008 
through 2015, that's when that th- that's the amount of time that we went from making nothing to making. Well, there's one year it made, I think, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in one year as podcast answer man, and and that was I got to the place where a half million dollars a year in in, in income for the business was pretty much rep- replicatable easily. The only thing is, though, from 2015 on, I You were came, doing it, but you were miserable. I was miserable. It became, it, teaching people how to podcast became as soul-sucking to me. As entrance. It became your zone of excellence. It was my zone of excellence. You were stuck. And, and, and the thing is, is in insurance, I discovered that I could do my zone of genius, but it was, I was barely ever really tapping into it. And once I got into it, I got sucked out of it to do something within my zone of excellence that it, that I found myself bitter with the work. And the same thing started to happen with um, with Podcast Answer Man. And so from 2015 on, I'm like, man, I wonder what life would be like instead of asking the question in 2006, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this. I don't even know that 2015 can count because that year is the year that you basically took off work to work out nine... Gee, I wonder why it took nine months off of work. <laughs> Almost like the entire, like seriously, 2015 could be labeled the year you worked out. That's like all you did. That's all I did. It's when you were training to do the um, The triathlon triathlon with um, Ken Davis. And because we had had dinner with him in November of 14. And that was when he posed that challenge to you. And so. In a way. 2015 was probably an indicator of what this book talks about as an upper limit problem. The fact that, because I had, I mean, it was 2015 that it was, it was June of 2014 we moved into this house. Yep. And to be able to move into this house that we had. We had created massive amounts of income. We had created massive amounts of income, like income that was in excess of three times what we had ever been accustomed to. So if you think about hold the on. thermostat of success But then we had to keep it at that level to continue to live here. <laughs> Not three times. Not three amount. times, but we had to keep it at a level we higher had, than what we were normal. We, we did, and, and, and we, acclimated into, we acclimated to a new thermostat setting that was higher to what we had previously, but it wasn't, we didn't acclimate to three, right. three times higher. Um, but to get to that place, I kind of burned myself out. I burned myself out by, by allowing myself to just only consider income opportunities from my zone of excellence. And, and, and taking my focus off of all, but number one, I, we had massive amounts of cash reserves as a result of all of that extra income. So we had massive amounts of extra cash reserves. And I'm thinking, you know what? Here's an excuse for me to take some time off. I've been wanting to do something with my health and fitness for a very long time. Here's an excuse for me to just like say, let's put let's put everything in my business on a back burner except what has to be done, which was very minimal work. And I'm just gonna work out. And th- no, no lie, I worked out somewhere between two to five hours a day. Yep. And I did that for about the first nine months. And then finally, the cash reserves were starting to run low. And, and I'm like, hey, let's do an A to Z course. And, and that's what happened. But, but okay, let's, let's get, jump into the notes here for the big leap. So first and 
foremost, the title of the book is called The Big, Big Leap. I did not know, I, as my, I've been te- preaching the message of The Big Leap for four, over four years now, all right? Not once had I ever taken time to read the subtitle of this book, which is Conquer Your Hidden Fear and Take Your Life to the Next Level. I have never read that subtitle before this week when I was preparing the notes. And of course, I've been talking about taking your life to the next level for For more than a decade. Yeah. All right. So conquer your hidden fear. So if you want to know what this book is about, it's about understanding the fact that there we all have hidden fears and we must conquer our hidden fears if we want to take our life to the next level. Stephanie, do you think it's what what do you think about the idea that there that pretty much everyone is in a place today no matter how successful they are, certainly that we know about the people who are stuck, right? But would you say it's accurate that pretty much everyone out there would agree that they believe that there must be more to life to achieve? There must be something that I'm meant to do or I, I feel called to do something. I, I feel like the, I'm meant to experience something more from life than what I'm currently experiencing or what I've ever known before. I feel like there's something more. I may not know how to get it. I may not know what it looks like. Some people know exactly what it looks like. But would you agree that pretty much everyone feels like there's a gap between what they could be experiencing in life and what they are experiencing in life? The word that trips me up is everyone. That's why I threw the word out, and so that's why I wanted to hear your Um, thoughts on this. Because I am am a big cycle breaker of um, generalizations. I I don't like them (laughs) at all. Um, I I would agree that most people, I I would agree that most people, but I, I also would, I also see people living in, the life that they want like i i've i've seen it i've experienced it whether that came from other people who found this book before us or or whatnot but um but i i would say that there are a lot of people who who think that there is more than what they have yeah i and one 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 struggle that I have with the statement that everyone there there's some we all have an upper limit problem. There's not a single one of us that are living fully into our fullest potential. Blah 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 blah. There we all are have hidden fears uh, that keep us from moving fully in alignment with our true identity, our true mission, our true purpose of what we're here to do. All of this stuff. It does seem to feed the achievement mentality of our culture, which. I, I think I, I'm an achiever. I, I don't know if you consider yourself to be an achiever, but I'm an achiever. I'm very much goal-oriented, achievement-oriented, and I like to succeed at new things. I like to be challenged by new problems. I kind of get bored when I figured things out and things become too easy. I, I'm an achiever. And so this whole idea of, of the fact that, man, there is a next level all of the time is an appealing mindset and philosophy for me. But I also come from my very much, uh, the, the spiritual journey that I've been on, this faith journey that I've been on. At, at the same time, I've had to balance that with at the, 
with I don't necessarily feel as though I have to have to achieve anything to experience peace, love, and joy, and true fulfillment in life. So there's this philosophy of like, hey, get out of the rat race, sit back and enjoy every moment of life for the gift that it is, and stop chasing after success, stop chasing after the goals, stop chasing one achievement after another. But I don't think that that's what this is talking about. Don't, I, 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 it's it's very closely related. Stop chasing the the achievement of a goal. Stop chasing new levels of success. Stop chasing the next thing for the attainment of peace, love, joy, and fulfillment. That message I can buy into. I it doesn't matter what goal I set and what I achieve and how many levels up I level in life. None of those things are going to bring me lasting happiness, lasting peace lasting fulfillment. They may make me feel the state of mind of happiness, peace, and fulfillment for a period of time, but not it won't last. And and I and where I think my faith side of this comes in, realizing that wait, I it's okay for me to have goals. It's okay for me to 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 pursue the next level it's okay for me to work on holding on discovering hidden beliefs that are holding me back to new levels of success but understanding that i'm a whole person right now that i can i can approach that not for the attainment of peace but for the attainment of my purpose to the unfolding of my of of the creative work i want to do in the world does that make sense Yes. Cool. It's a lot of words, but it makes sense. Do you know that your husband likes to use lots of words? I do. I kind of zoned out for a minute. I could tell. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I literally saw you post-processing. Hmm, let me see if I can pick out a couple of words that I may have heard when I was zoned out. No, that's not fair <laughs> because I've heard of this before. <laughs> like, that's actually not fair. It, I, I'm just giving you a it, hard time. It's like, it's like paying to see the same speaker over and over and over again. Oh my gosh, not this guy again. Exactly. Can't they bring new speakers into this podcast conversation? <laughs> so you know conversation? exactly how I feel. <laughs> you just need a fresh new co-host for your clubhouse rooms. Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. Wow. Never. <laughs> Never. Oh, goodness. All right. So I would... I would... <laughs> what would you do? Well, I don't want to... say The level... Of knowledge and intimacy that we have with each other would never be mad. Like, I'm not going to open myself up to someone like that ever again. So you say that that I should feel secure in our relationship, not not need to worry about that. Absolutely. Then. I'm not going to replace you. <laughs> that's fine. I wasn't concerned. Well, that's good to know. I mean, yeah. So there, there is no application process there, for co-host not. of Clubhouse Rooms with Stephanie. There's not. I have, I have a very small circle of people, and I'm comfortable with my small circle of people, and I'm not looking to expand my small circle of people. All right, let's that know me and can converse with me in this way. Right, and very few that would put up with the way that sometimes that is absolutely true. That you you kind of hey s- communicate. If you want to ask dumb questions, <laughs> don't get mad when I give dumb answers. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I love you. I love you too. All right. So let's go into the introduction here. Um, Gay opens up. He says, I haven't met a person who didn't suffer at least a little bit from the upper limit problem. Even if you're already extravagantly successful, I can promise you that your own version of the upper limit problem is still holding you back from achieving your true potential. In fact, the more successful you get, the more urgent it becomes to identify and overcome your upper limit problem. And then he gives the example of Michael Dell, who says, listen, you know what? I, I refuse to, to see this limit. I'm always going to work to um, transcend it and overcome it whenever I encounter it. So he's like, we should all be more like Michael Dell. Yeah, well, we had um, a, a conversation about this, I don't know, a couple years ago, I guess, um, when, what was it? It was on Disney Plus or Netflix. It was on Netflix. Um, when... Taylor Swift's Miss Americana um, documentary came out on on Netflix, which was about the making of her album Lover, I think. Well, it was about her, but there were things on there about making that album. And um, and so on that album, she did a song with Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. And he talks about how it had been one of his lifelong dreams <laughs> to work with Taylor Swift and like writing a song with her and performing with her was at like the height of his, I've made it. Like if I can do this, I've made it. And the night before he was supposed to work with her, he got a sore throat and he was sick. And that's because he hit his upper limit challenge. Or we think, at least we think so. Or yeah, we, we think so. It, it doesn't. Yeah. So we haven't yet discussed what the upper limit challenge or, or problem is. We call it the challenge because that's how Dan Miller introduced the concept yes. to me. So Dan Miller's the one who told me about this book many years ago. But what what does Gay call it? The He calls it the upper limit problem. So I prefer challenge. Yeah. I I prefer challenges over a problems. A challenge is something that you can take on and you can conquer and you you know I, I Yeah, but you can pro- challenge yourself. But a, pro- but a you, problem is has a, a solution. But it gives a um, negative connotation, I think. In, in your mind, it does. And I would, I would argue that I sometimes see it more on the negative side of things. So uh, I agree. A problem is something that needs to be fixed. A challenge is something you can overcome. Yeah, uh, it, I, 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 agree, I agree with you. Um, our, our mutual friend's friend, Ray Edwards, says, I don't like problems. I have puzzles to solve. That is fine. So it's it, it's all it all comes down to the language and and where you know what sort of meanings and emotional attachments. But do we I wasn't have to those bringing at Ed, Ray Edwards' words. I was comparing Dan's words against yeah. Gay's words and saying I you prefer like challenge yeah, over like, problem. I, I like upper limit challenge more than upper if, limit problem. If you had if you had asked me if I preferred puzzle over problem, I would have chosen puzzle. But that wasn't the. I understand. That wasn't the option. Cool. So. In the introduction, Gay Hendricks dis- um, talks about how he discovered the, for the first time this principle of the upper limit challenge. So he starts about, he, he tells the story, his work was going incredibly well, relationships in his life going incredibly well, everything is really going back, going well, and all of a sudden he leans back in the chair and he gave himself a good stretch and he let out a sigh of relaxed satisfaction and he says, I felt great. And then, it, just a few seconds later, he said, 
I found myself worrying about my daughter, Amanda, who was away from home on a summer program and that she had uh, very much wanted to attend. And then I love this language, a slide show of painful images flickered through my mind. The first slide, Amanda sitting alone in a dorm room. The second slide, Amanda feeling lonely and miserable away from home. And then the third slide, Stephanie's laughing, Amanda being taunted by other kids. Can and I he's, just say, Gay Hendrick should pay you to reread his book. That's all. Go ahead. The inner joy disappeared from my body as, I, as my mind continued to produce this stream of images. All right. So, what are your thoughts about gays? I didn't going get through? anything of his images because of the way you chose to read them. So dramatically, um, what? I, so, so he was basically creating. So he's in a place of content, and he stretches and he sighs and is like, "This is good." And, and so, but what about you know Amanda, who's not at home? I get it. So, and he's immediately filled with worry and anxiety about his daughter and how tragically her life must be going at this moment in time. So he, he has this overwhelming, overwhelming sense of how well his life is going. And now he has created a slideshow. What I've learned to call this is the misuse of imagination. So he's creating images of his head in his head about what might be happening for his daughter, all right, and what might be happening. So he has all these negative images, and he basically said that it caused his inner joy to disappear, and um, he basically called up the dorm rooms, dorm supervisor, and the person there says, listen, Amanda's totally fine. In fact, she looked out the window, and she could see that she was playing soccer with some girls. And the kindly supervisor told me it was normal for parents to worry about kids away from home. Indeed, she was, I was the third parent to call with similar concerns. And he says, really? I'm surprised. Why do you think that is? She gave a wise chuckle, and she goes, you don't realize how much you miss her, so you think you must be, she must be hurting somehow as well. So... You, your feeling of missing her, you're projecting that she obviously must be missing you. And because of that, you're, you, you project that pain on her. Plus, you probably had, and here's what I love, you probably had experiences yourself of being lonely when at, at a time when you were away from home. So you must be, so you must think that she is having a similar experience. So, that's what that's what caused him in that moment to go from ecstatic joy, peace, fulfillment, a sigh of exhilaration about just how well life is, and then instantly, whoa, hold on, hold the brakes. This life is going too well right now. Is there anything that, oh yes, I know. How about I feel really bad about all of the terrible things my daughter must be experiencing? That will keep me from pressing too far i've reached my upper limit of how good life can go and so i must find something to bring down how i feel that's the upper limit problem all right 
So here is the way that he defines it. He says, I have a limited tolerance for feeling good. When I hit my upper limit, I manufacture thoughts that make me feel bad. The problem is bigger than just my internal feelings, though. I seem to have a limited tolerance for my life going well in general. When I hit my upper limit, I do something that stops my positive forward trajectory. I get into a conflict with my ex-wife. I get into a money bind. Or I do something else that brings me back down within the bounds of my limited tolerance. Now, Stephanie, I know from a business perspective how just easily this is to see over and over again. I've never asked you to share with me, have you ever noticed a time in your life where you experience life going so well and then you find a way to self-sabotage yourself? Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, it's usually, in in my In my life, it usually comes through in um, my fitness and exercise or um, or in my relationships. And in recent years, it will only be in my fitness and exercise because that's the only way to truly sabotage myself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, um, but at the same time, like I can't put any direct correlation to any success there. What do you mean by that? Because I've seen you've had success there. I, I'll never. I can't say I've, I. I can't pinpoint where I have had great success, and then I notice that I've changed my so here here's something I'll never forget we lived in the old house and I'll never forget the time that you sat down and wrote a blog article which is a pretty big deal because you don't sit down and write blog articles very often I don't all right but you felt compelled and I'll never forget the title is how I lost 72 pounds was it how I lost 72 or it was the things that I've are the things I've learned after yeah. losing seventy two pounds. I don't remember the I think exact. It was the title. best things from losing seventy, like something like that, because I remember like one of them was, um, one of the things that I had shared. So I had lost seventy two pounds, and I had colored my hair. That drastically changes your physical appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, I was meeting. Um, I'm just, I was meeting my birth mom and I'm only using that distinction because, um, I don't see her often. She lives like an hour away. I don't um, see her very often. And, and so we were meeting at this store and I'm, I'm standing right next to her and she doesn't recognize me until I start speaking. And then she like, you know, is startled that she didn't know me, that she, she, you know, she didn't recognize that it was me. And so, so I remember that like, that was one of the things that I had shared. So it, it was like the best things of, of having lost 72 pounds or not the best, but like th- anyway, but, 
but I did. So what? I, I did sit down and write that. What, where were you going with that? So my, so my question is, so you said I can't think of a time when I had real success and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, hey, wait, yeah, let's so push, press the brakes here. And this that's is not really, really good. It was. It was. I had lost 72 pounds. And the first time that I put weight back on wasn't so much... I don't know how to look at it from a success standpoint. So, um, it's not just success. It, it is a feeling good standpoint, like my life going well standpoint. It is, it, it's not just success. It's just like, wow, well, okay, things so are I, moving in the, like man, things are, everything seems to be going right for me. And there's a limit to how much we feel we're worthy of we'll get into some of these reasons later in other chapters okay just thinking of that time in my life and that experience and and that so um i did have something happen and then in 2012 so that would have been 2011 um in 2000 in february of 2012 is when i had I don't even know what to call it. The I, Colorado I, I, experience? That was my color. Yeah, that's when I went a, to Colorado. A, a it, it spiritual was, it, reawakening? A, uh, it might just a, be an awakening. It wasn't any reawakening right. at all. But um, A connection but, with God that radically transmuted all prior trauma that you had as a child, all of well, that stuff. Well, it began a year of healing. Yep. Emotionally. And... And, and so, so if you want to connect the two, I honestly could not mentally deal with the emotional and the physical at the same time. And so while I healed emotionally, I let my physical go. Gotcha. And I gained like 30 pounds back. So, 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 I, so if you wanted, you know, my life was going good until it was like, oh, let's scratch this scab and let all of this pus ooze out and let this heal. But I couldn't let them both heal at the same time. Right. So it, if you, there's if you only want, so much healing I'm so, allowed to experience in my life. No, that's not even the right. That's not. I it, know there was only so much healing that I could handle at one time. That, which, that, which was that's, the belief that you had. Which was the belief that I had. And that's the conscious belief that you have. And the question is, what are, and going back, the, it's the hidden fears. What's what's the, in, in diving in, and maybe we'll come back to that in future chapters, when we talk about some of the reasons for the upper limit problem, I think chapter two begins. Maybe it was that once I healed myself emotionally, I just didn't care what people thought. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so... I love that there are some powerful questions in this introduction. Um, and if you are listening to our voice and you have access to a pen and a piece of paper uh, that you can go grab, I would encourage you gra to grab this. By the way, those of you who are listening live on Clubhouse, you can click the pinned link above. The notes for everything that we're discussing, you should discussing, you should have access right there. You should be able to just go along. You'll see that we're maybe skipping over some sections, but that's just how we do things. I over prepare and that's how I do it. But uh, I encourage you to, and of course, if you're listening to this in podcast form in any way, if this is in any of our podcasts, then you want to just hit the backward button and, and get these questions. But I encourage you to use these five questions 
as journal prompts. And there's going to be more questions that we're going to come up with later. But question number one, how can I extend the periods of, t- of contentment in my life? So that, that's the first question. What can I do? Is there anything within my power? Are there any actions that I can take? Is there any decisions that I can make? Are there any commitments that I can do or to take to extend the periods of contentment in my life? All right. The second question is, if I can eliminate the behaviors that stop the flow of positive energy, can I learn how to feel great all of the time? It's just a question. If you were able to eliminate the behavior that stops the flow of positive energy in your life, do you think you can learn how to feel great? Here's the key words, all the time. Very powerful question. The third one, can I allow things to go well in my life all of the time. When I first read this book, I'm like, what kind of idiot is this guy? This is just not possible. <laughs> and and I really struggled and resisted with answering these questions. Uh, number four, the question number four, in relationships, can I live in harmony and intimacy all of the time? And then question number five, can our species as human beings, can we live in expanding waves of peace and prosperity free from the pattern of messing things up when they are going well? So those are five questions to journal about. Um, I, I know that I pondered those questions quite some time for quite some time, especially can I allow things to go uh, well in my life all the time? Uh, I think that question is coming up in chapter one in just a moment. Um, and, and we'll get, we'll go deeper into that. But Gay says, I owe my life to these questions in the process of answering them. I was able to create the kind of life I had only dreamed about. My wife, Katie and I have happy kids. We live in a house we love and I haven't had to do anything I didn't want to do for so long. I can't even remember what that feels like. If any or all of that sounds good to you, you're holding in your hands the way to make it happen for yourself. That's referring to the book, of course. Now, Stephanie, I can say this. You and I have happy kids, yes or no? Yes. All right. We live in a house we love, yes or no? Yes. And I haven't had to do anything I didn't want to do for so long that I can't remember what it looks like, yes or no? My kitchen counter would say yes. What's that mean? I haven't done the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But for, for me, all of that statement is true. And, and I can tell you that when I read this in September of 2017, I could not have answered that question. I might have had happy kids. Um, we definitely lived. No, we had teenagers. They weren't that happy. I don't know about that. They were still pretty happy. Um, they, <sighs> they were. They were just angsty. Yeah. But uh, we, we did live in the house we love. But I could not have answered yes to the, the last part. I haven't had to do anything that I didn't want to do. Because my life was filled with a lot of, th- of quote unquote, having to do a lot of things I really didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, all... All of my income at the time relied on doing things I didn't really want to do. Right. 
And today, none of my income relies on anything that I don't want to do. So anyway, and, and a lot of that is a part of, is this book is responsible for making the catalyst moment and bringing the insights of not just Gay Hendricks, but things that Michael Hyatt had been trying to share with me over the years, um, that Dan Miller had been sharing with me over the years, all the books that I had studied, all the all, just all the podcasts I'd listened to, all the things my friends had said, my green room mastermind, the conversations you and I have had, all of this other stuff. It This book was basically, if you will, it was the camel, it was the, what is it, the straw, the piece of straw that broke the camel's back on my resistance to creating the life that I truly felt called to live in this world. Mm-hmm. All right, chapter one. What, you wanna read the first quote? Actually, I'll read it, and I'll ask you to read the first question. Okay. <clears throat> so if you would like to make your journey into the zone of genius, and we'll talk more about what the zone of genius well, is. Well, he explains them in this chapter. We'll get to that. But if you would like to make your journey into your zone of, zone of genius smooth and rapid, please take a moment now and answer these four questions. Now, if you did not answer, if you did not go and journal the four or the five questions from the introduction, you can be forgiven of that. However, if you don't answer the four questions that are coming up right now, you are missing one of the biggest opportunities for growth in your life. I'm sincere about that. So the first question is what, Stephanie? Am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? So let me ask you, how do you answer that question? Um, Do you need to increase it if you already feel good inside all the time? Like... So you, so you don't have times when you don't feel good. I, if I find myself in a time where I don't feel good or I'm letting frustrations um, anger me or I'm falling, I fully believe in a phrase, take every thought captive and I stop and I evaluate. Sometimes I have to vent it and sometimes some people have to listen to that, but I can move on. And I can find my happy again. I don't have to live there. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have times when I'm not angry or frustrated or sad or, you know, um, pick any pick any emotion. That doesn't mean that I don't have those. It means that I stop them, I explore them, and I move on. Yeah. I don't live there. I'm I'm the same way. I, am I willing to increase? I would say that I have a struggle with the idea of increasing the amount of time every day that I feel good because uh, for for 18 months straight, there was never a day that I didn't experience peace, love, and joy every single day. I will tell you that since I've began working with a spiritual coach over the last several weeks, we've been doing some quote unquote work on you know hidden stuff that from past and things like that. And I don't, I don't know if I've, yeah, have I told you that I've been having some like, wow, it's like, I, it's been a long time since I felt anxiety or fear. Yeah. Cause I told you about that, right? No. The last thing we talked about was something that you has been passed down to you. Okay. So anyway, that, there, there have been a, there have been a handful of times, about five different occasions over the last nine weeks where Something that would have triggered me, the old me, the old mindset and stuff like that would have caused me to go into extreme fear, extreme anxiety, maybe even depression and all this other stuff. 
for 18 months, none of that would phase me whatsoever. All of a sudden, some, I mean, and during those 18 months, we've had some pretty significant circumstance come our way. And I'm like, ah, it, it's, we got it. We got it. No big deal. This is, it's kind of like Rain-X on the windshield for anybody that knows what Rain-X is. It's like, listen, I don't even, I don't even need to turn the windshield wipers on this. It just rolls off. It just rolls off. However... I got to tell you, it seemed like over the last nine weeks, some of the rain hex kind of wore off and I'm needing to put the wipers on, you know? And, and so, and at, at the most, there was one that lasted, it took about two hours. There was one that lasted for about four hours before I, I kind of felt good and got back to the center of my well-being. Um, last week, I got to tell you, I hit about three days of, of not dealing with feeling good, choosing. I, I went three days without choosing to feel good. And Is that because the week didn't go how you had planned? It was. It. It. So there was there was a little bit of the expectations versus stop making plans. The, the experience of what happened during my quote unquote personal retreat last week. But not only that, but I had two clients who had been with me for four years at the same time notify me that they were leaving the Next Level Mastermind and next month will be their last month. And of course, next month also is the final payment of a client that I've been working with for a year. Whose contract is up. Whose contract is up. And so if you take the payments of all four of those people, that was an unexpected, actually, well, okay. It, it was expected that it was going to drop 2250 a month, but now there's an expectation that my income effective May will be $4,250 per month less than what I had anticipated. So all of that on top of it is just like it just one kept hitting after the other. And and I must admit, I I was not feeling good inside all of the time for about three days. It, it was kind of just, I would just let it... I, I would let it simmer. I would let the uneasiness simmer under the surface. It's not like it was paralyzing me. It wasn't, I wasn't obsessing over it. I'm just like, listen, I've got things to do. I'm with people and and I'm just not gonna deal with this right now. I know it's there. It's not a big deal. I, I've overcome so much worse. But this, and then finally, I think it was Wednesday morning, I got up and did journaling and meditation and then it was gone. It, it 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 all dissolved. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there. Are, but even still today, there are times when I could probably increase the amount of time. <laughs> and and this past week, I could have I could have I had every all the tools to not feel that stuff in the right. moment. But for some reason, I, I it, it sat there for a while. Anyway, my favorite thing about the fact that you and I live this way, being able to control our our um, emotional state. emotional state and um, feeling good inside um, all the time is when our kids call to vent or complain <laughs> and um, they don't get the response that they want because they want us to join them there mm-hmm. and and we do not yeah and um, yeah anyway it's not that we don't empathize with what they're what they've got going on, right. but we're not going to we're not going to sit there and say but we're not, not going to join you a, down there. <laughs> if you're going to host a pity party, you can send all the invites that you want, but we will not but be I ain't sending pit, we won't be sending pity. We won't join you in the pity. We will 
We will only see things from the absolute awesomeness that is your life, yep. your opportunities that surround you, and just how good you've got it. it. You can't convince us that your life is as bad as you're saying it is. Right. Yeah. So, Which sometimes we have to say to ourselves. <laughs> it, exactly. Yep. But it's because we say it to ourselves that we're able to say it to our kids. So in the chapter, he says, he says Am I, are you willing to increase the amount of time every day that you feel good inside? And he says, when I use the phrase feel good, I'm talking about that natural inner sense of well-being that's not dependent on outside factors such as what you've eaten or what you might be doing. Uh, it's important to begin with a willingness to feel good inside because there's no sense in enhancing other parts of your life at the expense of your inner well-being. If you'd like to spend more time every day enjoying an organic, deep feeling of body, mind, slash wellness, that's what I'd like you to say yes to if you're so inclined. So the first question is, if you're not already every day feeling good inside, have a sense of innermost well-being, I feel peaceful, I feel connected, I feel loved, I feel worthy, I feel abundant, I see opportunity. If that's not your natural state, the question here for question number one, are you willing to increase the amount of time each day that you feel good inside? That's it. It's a yes or no question. Are you willing? All right. What's question number two, Stephanie? Am I willing to increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well? All right. Um, let me ask you this. First of all, uh, you know, when you are approaching this question, what do you think about that? What's your answer to that? My answer to that, well, I mean, is it the same issue with the increase? I I, th- I think the the issue is with the increase. Um, the only well, I did find a way to increase the okay. amount of time every day that I feel good inside, and, and how to they, how increase. Did you do this? I just have to be awake more. <laughs> 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 but. Um, but I'm not willing to do that. So that that's, um, but it, I mean, again, it's, it's the increase. And also I'm reading this book for the second time. And so I'm, well, even the first time I read it, I was content and I was in a place of peace. And I, so, so I understand the benefits and I understand the goals of the book. But a lot of me feels like I've already been living there for 10 years. Right. Right. Um, But I think a lot of people like, so when I think of my whole life going well, um, you can choose that. You, You can... You can be there. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Are you there? Is your whole life going well? And and let me just say this. He says, when I use the phrase whole life, I'm talking about your work, your relationships, your creative pursuits, and any other aspects of your life that are, that are central to what you believe life is all about. Yes. I think that I can answer that with a yes. I don't live in a... Now, that I said that I set a goal to be more... Um, mindful of of my um physical fitness and my eating and and i i am doing that but i don't live in a i should you go do this i should do that i 
I've tried to break up with the word should. Um, doesn't mean I never say it, but there is a level of contentment in my body being where it's at mm-hmm. or my brain would have me in the workout room on the elliptical chugging hours away. Yep. So there, there is a level of content and uh, contentment and peace in my body and in my mind with where I am right now or I would be changing it. Correct? Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, So so the thing is, is the increase. And for people who don't live in that place, then yes, there's always room for increase. And I'm sure there's room for my increase too. I just don't, maybe haven't explored it. Well, if you did explore it and you found that there's room for increase, would you be willing to pursue the increase? Well, I already live in it all the other times, so why wouldn't I? Exactly. All right. So am I willing to increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well? For me, when I first read this book years ago in 2017, my work was going incredibly well. Um, my creative pursuits were going incredibly well. But even financially was going incredibly well. But there was there was a couple areas of my life that that were hit and miss at times. And that would be my health and fitness journey, and my relationships, specifically my relationship with my kids. Um, and and that's something that I've, I've struggled with over the years. And it's like, man, is, I wonder, is it possible, you know, to make a commitment to increase the amount of time that all of the aspects of my life go well all the time? And, I, and the answer to that question is yes. And then... It, it is about awareness. It is about evaluating how well are things doing. If you guys have never heard of this, do you know the will of the wheel of life assessment tool? Do you know that I was in the mastermind for like two years yes, and you I had us do now. this? Okay. <laughs> yes. I, did I just ask you another, in your mind, stupid question? Did you just give me another stupid answer? I didn't say <laughs> stupid. I said dumb. And I didn't give you a dumb answer. I gave you a sarcastic answer. <laughs> Which is the correct answer to a dumb question. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yes, I know all about the Wheel of Life. So the Wheel of Life assessment is where you can, and you can download one of these. Just just do Wheel, Wheel of Life assessment. You'll find tons of them that you can download. But it's basically this pie chart. And there are usually six or eight areas of life, depending on who you download it from. And you rank yourself on a scale of one to 10. How well are you doing in your finances? How well are you doing in career? How well are you doing in relationships? How well are you in in all these areas? And then- I like how you're interchanging well and wheel because you're talking so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So- Are you How fe- wheel are you <laughs> willing to go ahead? Keep going. It's fun. <laughs> That's fine. No, it's fun. You're using the wrong F word. It's, it's <laughs> no, fun. It's fine. It's fun. It's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Stephanie, I love you. Hey, are you putting out applications for a new co-host <laughs> to this clubhouse? <laughs> so if you would like to apply, go to mindsetanswerman.com slash co-host application. Next week, we'll be covering chapter two. No sarcasm Cliff allowed. Ravenscraft and insert name here, we'll be discussing <laughs> chapter two of The Big Leap. Oh, I'm fired. I'm okay. <laughs> it's fun. All right. Okay. I have no idea. Wheel of Life. Go look, go look it up yourself. 
<laughs> download it. Somebody will tell you how to use it. I broke Cliff. This is so fun. Leave me alone. All right. Uh, sound out again. Is it just me? I, I think Tom's having some problems. Unless other people are having problems, they'll let us know. All right. Um, question three? Question, yeah, why not? Go what? ahead. No, that's it. Yeah, go ahead. Fill out the wheel of life and yes. make your life. Question yeah. number three. All right. Am I willing to feel good and have my life go well all of the time? Yes. All right. So here, here's, okay. This is the question that made me put this book down. When I first had this book, actually, I was listening to the audio book. And when he asked question number three, I got a little upset. I, I, I must admit, I was a little bit upset that somebody would ask such a question because I don't think you should answer ask questions where if you say yes, the pursuit of such a thing is not even possible. It's like I used to get upset about this question that people would ask. If money were no object, what would you do? You know, it's like, what do you mean? Obviously, for the rest of my life, money is obviously going to be a major concern. <laughs> right. There's, I cannot imagine there will ever be a day where I don't have to worry about money. I will always have to have anxiety about money. What do you, that is, that I will not answer such a stupid question because there is no such thing if money were no object. And I had the same reaction to, uh, are you willing to have your life, to feel good and have your life go well all of the time? Mm -hmm. I, I thought it sounded, that question sounded as ludicrous as if money were no object, what would you do with your time? Because circumstances change and, and there are other factors at play. You know, can you feel good? And have your life go well in every circumstance. I think the answer is yes. Well, here's here's what happened. I I was I literally struggled with this for like three days. I know. I was there. I'm like, I'm like, this is why even ask this question. I don't know that I can trust this author who asks a stupid question like this. I I'm really struggling with it. I mean, I'm over dramatizing this just barely. <laughs> Just barely. Just barely. But I really was struggling with this. But you know what? I came back to the book, and do you want to know what stood out to me? It didn't actually say, are you committed to? It says, are you willing? It just says, and, and, and in, a, in a way, it's almost like, if it were possible, would you be willing? So just th think if I just phrase it that way. If it were possible to feel good and have your life go well all of the time, would you be willing? And then I'm like, hmm, I guess I'd be willing. Yeah, if it were possible, which I don't think it is. <laughs> Stupid. If it were possible, yes, I'd be willing. But I sincerely don't think it's possible. But it is. But it is. It's how you approach every situation and every circumstance that you're in. Yeah. It's not to say that thing that unexpected, unpleasant, and undesirable situations and circumstances won't appear in your life. But can you find peace in those situations? Yeah. Can you feel good 
in the midst of that unexpected, undesirable, unpleasant experience? Can you feel good or have that sense of inner peace, that sense of well-being, trusting and having faith that it's all going to work out? And maybe it's this thing that becomes the catalyst for a change or a growth spurt personally or professionally that, that completely changes what you go and do that all of a sudden opens you up to do things that you would have never done had this incredibly, in your mind, painful experience had not happened, you wouldn't have actually been exposed to this. Well, I don't even like your air quotes because that doesn't mean that people can't go through painful experiences. Right. So take your air quotes out because people will go through painful Painful experiences. experiences. Or, okay, so the quote unquote, so the quote unquote is perceiving it as a bad thing. Yes, it's okay to, it is, there are things that are painful. And they suck and... Yeah, but the whether but what I what I meant to say is the air quote is perceiving as saying that is a bad thing. So for example, when I almost died in the hospital, I saw that as an incredibly bad thing. I found great peace in it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, babe. No, it it was a high level of anxiety that was Yeah. The, it, yeah. But but if I were to go back, would I change that experience? No. No, but I probably would sue the doctors for incompetence. Okay. So. Well, maybe that would have been our rags to riches story then. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, where was I at? Do 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 do. In this hospital was a bad experience. It was. Yeah. Oh, it, it's just the whole idea. You know what? Even even in the midst of these undesirable, unexpected, um, inconvenient circumstances of life, oftentimes, matter of fact, there's never been a time where connecting the dots backwards that I don't see that it actually ended up working in our best interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all Romans 8, 28, for we know that God works together for the good of all, he works all things together for the good of those who are loved, uh, who are him. called according mm-hmm. to his purpose. So, so basically everything works out. Um, and then of course I got into the scriptures where Jesus says, listen, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will drink. And 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 if I if if I were there that day and I was expressing, listen, I'm not really concerned about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. Well, he, Jesus would say, okay, well, let me, okay, Cliff, here's what I'm. Listen to me. Don't worry about where your next client's going to come from. Don't worry about what you know that email about that guy and his feedback about what he thought about that what you said in that podcast episode. Don't worry about you know. The, don't worry about anything. He says, be anxious about nothing. And Worry gets you nowhere, and it solves no puzzles. Yeah, it's not saying that you shouldn't uh, focus on a pro- on a on a problem or a puzzle or what or a challenge. Challenge, <laughs> and and come up with a you know a, a proposed plan or a solution uh, to to solve this situation, but. Don't turn to worry, fearing. Don't do not rob yourself of the feeling good inside. That so when he says feel good, don't rob yourself of the inner peace and joy. Are you scrolling through the rest of this and saying how long is this going to be? You just okay. What you do get the purpose is to like share the idea of the book, not like read it to them, right? Like that, no, that's, you don't understand. You, this is Cliff's notes on the Big Leap. That's not what I was asked to <laughs> podcast about. That was not how I was approached. So next week, we're going to talk about chapter one continued. 
Is what Stephanie's saying. One B. Um, we yeah, are you, on you, one hour and five minutes, and we're like four percent of th- of chapter one. I don't even think we're that much. <laughs> Can we get through the four think, questions? We'll get through the four questions, and I'd like to talk about the different zones. Zones. Well, but, the different um, zones would be next week. Okay, because that's, that's at the end one. of chapter one. Okay. Um, I want to say there is some which I didn't bring um, my physical book down. And I don't make highlights on my iPad because it hurts my eyes. But <laughs> what? Nothing. When with if I use like multiple colors, it, it does. It hurts my eyes. Okay. Um, the black and white works for me, but like you got red staring at me here, and that's anyway. Um, there is a story that he's telling somewhere in chapter one. It it it's in chapter one. It's even pretty early in it, but um was talking to someone and he says you know when when you get to heaven god is not going to ask you why weren't you more like moses he's going to ask you why weren't you more like steve right in the guy's name steve something i don't like know that. something like that and um that that's one of my favorite questions like why aren't you more like yourself like stop being like other people that doesn't mean you can't have role models doesn't mean you can't have people that you look Look up up to to, that inspire you but find yourself and be you and be happy and content there yeah that that's uh, this morning that you're hearing the wind outside oh i know that i'm yeah we're on our way to oz pup is out i was just making sure yep so um i heard this morning on a great tiktok uh because i find lots of powerful tiktoks Mm -hmm. and it says that you know don't try to be the shape of some every one of us is a puzzle piece like you are a puzzle piece and i'm a puzzle piece in the great puzzle of the universe of all time all places everything we are uniquely shaped to fit in a specific spot and so if you try to shape yourself into the image of anyone else you won't fit you won't fit you're you're not ever going to feel in alignment you have a unique shape and a unique purpose in in this infinite number of puzzle pieces of this puzzle uh, called the universe you are uniquely qualified to fit into one specific place and our purpose and our mission and and our zone of genius helps us to it, it, it's inside this zone of genius that he talks about is where that's that's our shape it's finding our shape finding our zone of genius finding that thing that we're uniquely gifted by our creator to go and do in this world and go do that mm-hmm. absolutely that that that's my favorite quote in all of chapter 1 and i love all of the content about learning uh, about the zones and and the questions and all that but that's my favorite i love that so so for me i got to the place where am i willing to feel good and have my life go well all the time it's like okay am i willing yes do i think it's possible Mm, i'm gonna work on that and then god worked on me he's like he showed god began to show me all of the scriptures where it says be anxious about nothing don't worry about anything with prayer and uh, petition make all your requests known to god asking you shall receive and and it's like eventually i'm like okay i get it i get it I, not only and i got to the place where it turned into to an affirmation for me so i went into my affirmation file and i changed it from i am willing to feel good and have my life go well all the time to i am committed to feel good and have my life go well all of the time 
All right, and then well, question. I won't. I, you know, I go right ahead. I have to look it up, but okay. um, because my phone's in the drawer, so I have to go away from. Well, you you look it up, so, and I'm going to say a couple of things. So um, he says, at first glance, you might ask, you might uh, ask, who wouldn't say yes to these questions? And he says, well, for many of us, the idea of all of this positive emotion seems far fetched to begin with. It's easy for us to just assume that if we're going to have positive, we must be pre- prepare the way for the negative. Um, to that, I say, why not get willing, and we'll see what happens. All right. And then he says, we humans have a long and wonderful his- history of transcending our beliefs about what's possible. And then there's a powerful quote in here. Uh, in my life, I've discovered that if I cling to the notion that something's not possible, I'm arguing in favor of limitation. And if I argue for my limitations, I get to keep them. I like that. That's one of my favorite quotes. It, 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 that's a great. If I argue for my limitations, I get to keep them. Nobody, they, I don't. There is no government, there is no person on this earth who can ever take away any of your limitations that you argue to keep. That's yep. powerful. It is. So therefore, you, my friend, are the most dangerous person you know. That's what David H. Foster said. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. What did you look up? So I looked. So you, you're, t- you know, you would do all of these things, and then you would get your your um, asking. You should rec- you you were naming off your um, scriptures that you would find. Yep. And um, so I love the song "You Say" by um, "You Say." Well, please, please don't. Um, it's "You You Say" by Lauren Day. Um, Lauren. Daigle? Is that how you say your name? I don't anyway. know. Um, but the chorus of the song says, um, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe. Those are the, 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 those are the most powerful words of that entire song and they're the most powerful words of anything that happens in your life is, and I believe, because if you believe it so, you will make it so. Yeah. So you were able to conquer your anxiety and your worry and your fear because you chose to believe the words that you were reading that God had spoken. Yeah. He said, listen, come to me, all of you who are heavy, burdened, and overwhelmed, and I will and give you, you rest for yourself. And when you believed you that, you found the rest. You okay. found the peace. He said, if you'll seek me and my kingdom first, ask whatever you want, and I will give it all to you. And you believed. And I believed. Yeah. So, and I believe are the most powerful words for anything that you want to do in your life. I love that. Thank you. I love that. All right. So finally here, question number four, and then we're going to wrap up this. I'm going to go ahead and turn it on for hand raising just in case anybody here 
uh, wants to raise their hand and come up and ask questions. So if you want to, or say a comment, if you've read the book, The Big Leap, and you just want to say real quickly, just know you know I'm recording a podcast, and this may go into a podcast, and it'll definitely be in the replay. But if anybody wants to raise their hand and say anything about what we've talked about so far today, feel free to raise your hand. All right, so the last question, and I would encourage everyone to take these four questions and journal your responses to them and and all of this good stuff. But um, question number four is what, Stephanie? Are you willing to take the big leap to your ultimate level of success in love, money, and creative contribution? There you go. And my answer to that, let's see here. So am I willing to take the big leap to your ultimate level of success in love? Yes. Money? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And creative contribution? Oh, yeah. And I can honestly say that I was struggling. I I wanted to say yes to this back in September 2017. My biggest concern was, but how do I pay the bills if I do that? And you believe. And and I will tell you, that's going to be an interesting story as we continue to have these conversations about the big leap. So next week, Stephanie, uh, you want to get to finish chapter one <laughs> we'll, or we'll continue <laughs> chapter one. Let's make that commitment. How's that? That works. No, we, we will finish chapter one next week. The good news, Stephanie, we don't have to read a whole other chapter to do this because really sure. we, when we think about this, the big leap, there are, there are two major things that were actually there are a couple major things that we're talking about actually no there's two major key factors here number one the upper limit problem it's the idea that sometimes we have this thermostat that says we're willing to allow our life to be this good but at some point somewhere there's some programming that says i'm not allowed to experience more than this and subconsciously we can sabotage ourselves so there's the principle and the idea of the upper limit problem. But then there's this thing called the zone of genius. Those are the two key principles in this book. They're closely related, but I think they are. You could have a whole separate book on the upper limit problem and a whole separate book on what is the zone of genius. But they're in one book. And um, and we're going to go deeper into this in future conversations here on Clubhouse. Is that correct? I think so. You, are, are, would you like to come back next week and have a conversation as my co-host, or should I start Depends reviewing on what kind those of applications? applications come in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, no hand raises, so I am going to go ahead and say uh, we'll be back next week here on Clubhouse at three thirty p.m. Eastern time, where we will talk about the Big Leap, Chapter One Continued. Uh, and if you want to join us live, you can learn more over at mindsetanswerman.com slash clubhouse. I believe, Stephanie, that this is going to be an episode of the Train with Cliff audio program, the audio journal podcast. Okay. Is that cool? That's fine. Yeah. I would put it out as the Cliff Ravenscraft show, but I don't know if I want my audience there to know just how sassy you are with me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of them are crossovers from the audio journals, or they already know. Yeah, well, those people know. Anyway, those people. Those people know. Uh, I'm just. Those kidding. are my people. <laughs> those are my people. <laughs> uh, so much fun. All right. Until next time, Stephanie and I encourage you to what? We're gonna go with take everything you do to the next level, because. Oh.
it's the subtitle of this book and you didn't know for five years. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Mindset Answer Man.